Welcome to Pro Tour Talk with Steve Dodge. I'm Steve Dodge. Today is May 2nd, 2018, and we have got a jam-packed show for you tonight. Next week, we're going to bring on Jay Redding, and we're going to talk about video replay and whether or not it's a good idea in disc golf. Jay is uh, one of the movers and shakers on the competition committee, so we should have a very good debate next week about video replay. And the reason we're having that is because someone brought up that question uh, through the AMA on our website, dgpt.com slash AMA. So thank you for that question. And uh, that's going to lead to a a more spirited debate. And hopefully something significant will come out of that. Um, Later on tonight, we will be talking with Alan Risley, uh, who runs the challenge at Goat Hill. And then we will talk with Drew Gibson uh, about his great play this season and about men's tees. Uh, we've had a lot of conversation about women's tees. Uh, I got I got the wonderful I had the wonderful experience of playing at the GBO, which, as far as I know, is the longest course we've played so far on tour this season. And it got me to thinking a little bit about men's tees. So we're going to bring Drew in, and we're going to talk about men's tees and figure out is there something we should do about men's tees as well as women's tees? Maybe we maybe we've got to figure it out on both sides. So um, getting right to the AMA. Uh, we had uh, we had four good questions. Uh, the first question is a follow up to last week's question. Somebody asked if we were trying to take over the PDGA, and I simply gave a one word answer of no. Uh, this week, the question was, "Can you please elaborate?" Um, so I will go ahead and do so. Um, the PDGA is the governing body of our sport. They set the rules. They coordinate thousands of PDGA tournaments. Uh, they support many efforts to grow the sport at all levels, uh, and they execute the PDGA majors. As I said, they are the governing body of our sport. They define the game. Uh, The Pro Tour uh, executes uh, the series of premier events across North America. Uh, We follow the rules as defined by the PDGA. Uh, We abide by the competition manual, the competition manual, as set forth by the PDGA, we work closely with the PDGA on many topics uh, for the top players and the top events. And one thing that I hate is when people say the things like on many topics and then don't say what any of them are because it's kind of nebulous. So just spelling that out real quick, things that we work on the PDGA with uh, scheduling, uh, payout, disciplinary process, media, event promotion, Uh, The women's side of the game, uh, I'm sure there's a lot more, but that's just the types of things that we talk about. And and we're this year, we're working better together than we ever have in the past. It's it's fantastic. Um, Basically, so the PDJ is the governing body of the sport. The Pro Tour is working to be the tour of premier events for the touring pros with a tour championship and uh, help to define the concept of a season on the pro side of the game in North America. And that is, that's what we are. And we need a governing body of the sport. And we feel that uh, a pro side of the game is something that's also needed. And that's what we're developing. So the answer to that question is no, we are not looking to take over the PDGA. Uh, and in fact, the PDGA is uh, a necessary part of our mission statement. It's, it's a part of what we're doing as they are, they work to improve the competitive side and the, the competitive uh, knowledge the game the knowledge of the game as a competitive sport and that is what we are doing as well so we are very complementary organizations uh, next question and I apologize I didn't have a chance to look over these last three but I'm gonna run I'm gonna run with them and we're gonna see where things go 
what would be the perfect number of pro tour events in a season? Um, after getting feedback from GBO, lots of players and spectators complaining about MPO playing the same course three times. Spectators say it is boring to watch, but the course is also a course that features the same type of shot over and over. Um, last question is the pro tour missing out on potential fan bases in the first round by having feature cards. The cream rises to the top and you'll always have the top pros playing in round two and three. I think you would get a lot more geographic diversity in viewership. If the first round was random cards, maybe have one top pro slash fan vote on feature cards and the rest random. Well, let's start with the first question. What would be the perfect number of pro events in a season? Um, that's a great question. If you go to udisclive.com and hit schedule, I think they've got about 18 events. That includes two or three majors and I think the Remax open. So that leaves about 14 or 15 events. Uh, actually, I guess there's 10 pro tours and six national tours, so 16 there. So somewhere in that ballpark would be the, the perfect season, I, I suppose. Um in my opinion, uh, and I'm just one human, and we can add this to a, a, a conversation point later. In my opinion, uh, having one course is ideal from a uh, from a player's standpoint, and from a production standpoint, and from a staffing standpoint, and from an organizational standpoint. So, uh, as far as making the event happen, having one course is ideal. Additionally, I, as a fan really like to see for example hole 16 at glass blown i i knew that eagle went ob on day two i knew he did not go i think he played it safe on day one actually i'm not quite sure what he did on day one but presuming that i did know um going into day three there's that extra knowledge of here's how the guys played this this hole in the past so now i've got some I've got some thoughts and I've got some stats and hopefully the commentators can speak to that. So in my opinion, having it all on one course is actually more exciting. Uh, and then I, I know that the players like it better as well. Uh, the women played three different courses. Um, it's, it's a valid thought uh, and a valid uh, discussion to determine what is the best way to do it for the pro tour and for the production side and the organization and the players. Ideally we would have one course. Next question. Um, oh, and then, oh, he mentioned something about the feature card, but I didn't quite understand the last part of it because he says uh, perhaps in the first round, if the first round was random cards, maybe have one top pro slash fan vote on feature cards and the rest random. That's that's actually what we do. Um, we have three feature cards and the rest of it is random. So I think we're meeting what you're asking. Uh, question two. When will the compact Zookas ship? I've been waiting for a while. Thank you. I'm actually going to get to that in just a second. Third, what was in your bag at GBO? Trick question. I didn't have a bag. I had a cart. Um, but I'll go ahead and say what was in it. Uh, I had a, uh, a DGA Steady Ed putter. I had a Galaxy Orbit, which is a really nice mid-range put, putter mid-range. It's a... Uh, Flew very straight. Uh, all the guys in my card were wondering what was that blue disc that was flying so well. It was a Galaxy Orbit. Look it up. It's a. I'll, I'll say it's a really good disc uh, for older guys who don't have a lot of power and just want to run at the run at the pin from 140 feet away. And my third disc was actually the um, the Players Pack disc. It was the Explorer that they gave out to to us. Uh, so 
I didn't bring a driver with me. So obviously when I got that Explorer, I was ecstatic and, uh, I threw it a lot and it was very reliable for, for me, it threw about 250, 260 feet and then faded in or hysered in, uh, right to the middle of the fairway, pretty much every time. Uh, when I forgot to follow through, it didn't, didn't fly quite as well. Going back to the, when will the compact Zuka's ship, um, Zuka actually sent me a letter this morning and, uh, this letter will be going out to everybody that has purchased a Zuka cart. And additionally, I'm trying to, I have let me see if I've got a reply yet. Uh, I just sent this email probably about 15 minutes ago. I've not gotten a reply yet, but I'm, uh, I'm trying to see if I can get this extended to anybody that purchases this by the end of tomorrow, which would be Wednesday, May 3rd, so that this letter would apply. And here is the letter that is being sent out to everybody that's already purchased a Zuka cart. First of all, thank you for your support. Uh, the compact Zukas, the first hundred are made for us. We've got about 30 of them left. So if you want to get one of the first compact Zukas, right now is a perfect time to purchase one. Uh, good afternoon insert your name here. Thank you for your recent order of the Zuka compact disc golf cart, which was purchased through the disc golf pro tour. We appreciate your support of the product and the tour. This is an, a letter from Zuka to all of the purchasers, uh, due to the last minute and positive changes to the design of the bag for the compact cart. The production was delayed by approximately one month. We have recently been updated by our factories that these will be available to airship to us in California around the middle of May. Once they're in our warehouse, we will diligently assemble them so that we can ship them, ship your order to you. Our goal is to have these leaving our warehouse before the end of May. As a token, a token of our appreciation for your support of the product and the DGPT, as well as your understanding regarding the delay, we here at Zuka would like to offer you a free set of fenders for the compact cart or a free putter pouch in the color of your choosing. Uh, I guess both of those are about a 35 to $40 value. And I personally would select the putter pouch unless you live in a muddy course. Um, I know that every hole I had to reach for my putter. In order to receive your free item, please contact. So they're gonna email this to you and you have to reply and then uh, let them know which color you would like. The colors are black, red, blue, purple, or pink. And the, the bags, the, the cart frames themselves are black, red, and blue. So it'd be pretty cool to get like a, a blue frame with a pink putter pocket. So anyway, uh, and then they close by, we apologize, apologize for the delay in having your cart shipped and appreciate your patience and understanding. I look forward to hearing back from you so that we can ensure the free item is added to your cart before shipping your order. So um, that was a very good unplanted AMA question. And that was the answer. And if anybody has not ordered their compact Zuka cart, today is a great day to do it. I'll make sure to get that, get you added to the list and, uh, and hopefully you'll get your free putter pocket putter pouch as well. So, um, moving on. Uh, Oh, we have a women's segment. I want to play this. I've never done uh, share a screen sharing and I'll, I'll probably remember to cut this out of the podcast version, but we have a, uh, we have two people have asked to uh, sponsor our women's segments, hi women's highlight reels. We've got six of these put together. So we've got four more available. So for a hundred dollars, you could get, uh, you could look just like Paragon does on this video. Let me see if I can click screen share and then application window and then this button and then hit share. 
and then hit this button. And I'm hoping present everybody. There we go. All right. So that is uh, this the type of thing we're talking about. I, you could hope. Oh, you probably couldn't see the beginning, but the beginning starts with the Paragon logo. It says Paragon presents, and then it has a bunch of highlights by Sarah Hokum. So if you want to sponsor something like that, we got Sarah Hokum's going out. Uh, it went out today. Paige Pierce's will be going out next week and has has a sponsor. And then uh, we have a bunch more videos going out. Uh, we've got Katrina Allen, Jessica Weiss, Lisa Fakus, Jen Allen. And then we have a bunch of shots from other players all compiled into one piece. So if you want to sponsor any of those, just shoot me an email, steven at dgpt.com. And we will be uh, very happy to put your company's logo uh, in lights on a video seen by thousands of people. And with that, without any further ado, uh, I'm going to try to pull in Alan Risley here. Are you there, Alan? Oh, I'm here, Steve. Fantastic. Great to hear you. Thank you very much. Great to be on. Great. So, Alan Risley, you are the tournament director of Goat Hill, uh, the challenge at Goat Hill, and uh, you are one of Goat our. Hill Park. What's Goat that? Park. It's the the challenge at Goat Hill Park. Oh, the challenge at Goat Hill Park. My apologies. A little, uh, little rebranding. Now, I did hear an interesting story about Goat Hill Park, and uh, someone told me that Bill Murray was involved in the movement to save Goat Hill Park. Is that true? Um, I, I don't know if he was technically involved in the movement, but he has definitely embraced the course. Um, he's been out here a number of times, and uh, um, he very happily wears his Save Goat Hill shirt. Um, the course was the, the course was almost closed down and uh, turned into a soccer uh, training camp. Um, and uh, um, a, a bunch of us uh, went to a city council meeting and, and spoke in favor of golf rather than uh, and disc golf rather than uh, soccer. Um, but Bill, yeah, Bill uh, has definitely uh, jumped in and photobombed in a bunch of pictures um, out of the course. And, uh, and, and who knows, Steve, you may run into him in a parking lot somewhere and, and, and he'll have his Save Goat Hill shirt on. Uh, if I do happen to run into Bill Murray uh, in a parking lot somewhere, I will do everything in my power to pretend that I do not know who he is. I think I think he would appreciate okay. that. Yeah. No, no, he enjoys uh, he enjoys surprising people and having them recognize him. <laughs> okay. He does. He does. No, it just it just seems like it wouldn't be a surprise for people to recognize him. It seems like everybody would recognize him. So when somebody yeah, yeah, doesn't recognize him, I think that would be entertaining. Anyway. Um, but the reason that we're here today is to talk about the we're challenge. We're, we're not here to psychologically profile. Okay, let's talk. Yeah, let's talk about the tournament. So we're going to talk about the challenge at Goat Hill Park, and um, I've just got a bunch of quick questions. First of all, thank you very much. I I think that you are our very first official test event. So what we're going to do is we're going to hold this test event, or you're going to hold the test event. We're going, to, we're going to talk to you about how it went, and then we're going to see, is this an event that fits in with our schedule chronologically and geographically, and uh, is it organized well enough, and do we think the pros are going to want to go and partake? So that's the idea of a test event, and if so, then we can hopefully slide you into the schedule next year and make everybody super happy. So my first question to you, Alan, um, 
when and why did this event start? Can you give us a, a quick little history about it? Sure. Uh, well, uh, we had a long, long running, long standing uh, disc golf tournament on a ball golf course here in uh, San Diego County. Um, the baskets moved away from uh, from that golf course and uh, baskets came into uh, what used to be called Center City Golf Course. Um, and uh, when I mean, I, I helped uh, co-design the course when it was put in um, and immediately wanted to run a tournament here. Um, it's a beautiful property. Uh, it is very, very challenging for disc golf. Lots of uh, elevation changes, distance, um, you know, uh, precarious pin positions always win, always win because we're um, less than a mile from the, uh, from the ocean. You can see the ocean from uh, the uh, fourth fairway. Yeah. Fourth and 16th fairways. Um, so yeah, it's a fantastic venue. Um, and it just had to have a tournament. Well, so. I know that San Diego is one of the most beautiful places on the earth. I've only been there, uh, two or three times. Uh, I, one time I went out to see Mark Verrochi, uh, who yes. runs Daniel Bow, And then the next time I think I came out and, uh, played, played around a disc golf with you and AJ. Yes, you played in our, uh, our our Cal State San Marcos Cal State University San Marcos fifth anniversary tournament. It was it was um, one, one, of the, one of the highlights of my San Diego disc golf career. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's, that's uh, so far the light, I guess. But um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hopefully we'll change that next year. Um, I hope so. So, how many pros do you have playing in Goat Hill this year? Uh, I, you know what, I would have to look at the registration list. I think I've got 37 on the list right now. Okay. Um, and, and that may not be on PD. Oh, see, what's P oh, PDGA.com says 29, but I still have an upload that I have. To do. Okay. So I've been filling some spots today. Got 14, uh, pro masters, um, seven, uh, pro 50 plus guys. Okay. So, so the field's uh, just about at 130 right now. Okay, mostly am. Um, yeah, it's it's a pretty pretty close to 50-50 split, but yeah. Okay. It's probably most. So so the obvious question from that is with a and I I'll go ahead and just say it out uh, this way with a relatively small pro field, uh what makes you think that you can expand the number of players in 2019 and become a significant stop on the tour uh so quickly? Oh my god. Oh. No one's ever asked me that question. Okay. No, people ask that question all the time. Um, yeah, uh, you know, the issue with San Diego is that um, we don't have a large body of pro disc golfers who can come from all directions. Um, not many pro disc golfers uh, south of us in Mexico, not too many west of us south in the ocean. Um, so, uh, you know, our, our geographic draw is kind of light, but um, boy, put us on uh, the path of a tour um, or combination of tours that are going uh, around the country. And the, the pro disc golfers will love coming to San Diego. Um, and, and we have, a, we have a few guys, a few tour players that, uh, that will be here this weekend. Um, uh, Paul Ulibarri will be here. Uh, Seppo Pahu, who is a part-timer on the tour. Uh, Seppo will be here. There's one other kid, um, What's your name? Hi, yeah. Steve. I'll be I'll be here. 
Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, it's uh, not too bad of a drive from, uh, from Emporia to uh, Oceanside um, on your way to Santa Cruz. Uh, I, I think you just, you nailed it right there. First of all, Hey, AJ, Grizzly Growl. Um, but, uh, I think on, on the way to, uh, Santa Cruz and San Francisco and that West coast swing starting it in San Diego, seems like a really nice thing. The one concern I have about San Diego is the weather. Uh, I mean, how is the weather in San Diego? Uh, well, we're playing the tournament this weekend. Um, the sun is, is out right now. It's probably about, uh, 70 degrees, Right now, check, um, check my Instagram. I just made a yeah, a pretty good post. It's about it's it. gonna be uh, it's gonna be eighty degrees on uh, Saturday and about seventy five on Sunday. No chance of rain. Um, steady wind off of the ocean. Um, it's gonna be gorgeous. No yeah, chance yeah. of rain. That doesn't sound like a good pro tour stop. Oh okay. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. There, there's no snow here, like in Jonesboro. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, lady. I think yeah, Brad yeah. would have said there was no chance of snow. He wouldn't have said no chance of rain, but no chance of snow would have yeah, probably there's, been. There's rain. absolutely no chance of snow here on uh, the first weekend in May. Not a chance. So AJ, while I have you there, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask both of you this question. I don't want AJ to take over because he's already been on the podcast and yeah, and, and he's a hog. So next next thing you know, he's got a grizzly growl Facebook page and tons of people and he's finishing top 10 at an NT. You said that. Is that you? No, you told me it wasn't you and you would never lie to me. So I Facebook. That was not me. Okay. I, uh, I, on the record. On the record. I did not even do the hashtag grizzly growl, but I would say if anybody likes AJ Risley, uh, facebook.com, right. And then type in Risley's Risley's. They already, they already, they already. Yeah, they already. So, but did, the question, did you see my post yeah, there? Yeah, what did was you see my question? post let, there? Let him ask his question. Oh we gotta, we gotta keep, but we got a, t- a strict time limit here. Um, but so how good is the course for top pros of this, of the sport, AJ? It's amazing. If, uh, it's, it's amazing. The, the layout is great. It's a par, what? 66, 66, 10,000 feet. Amazing rolling hills and undulations. Um, like you said, the, the wind is a, is a constant challenge. Every, every shot you, uh, I mean, you might think it's, it's a wide open ball golf style course where you're just bombing throw after throw, but we've got, we've got a good mix of, of 300 footers and 800 footers. And there's, I talked about this in a central coast video from last year's tournament. There's a lot of holes that have somewhat of a dog leg feature. Yep. And so the placement off the tee is, is crucial. So it's, it's not your, it's not your typical boring wide open course. It's uh, it requires a lot of thought and um, a lot of power and a lot of precision. Yeah. And, and you do have to be careful off the tee, not so much for out of bounds, but because you need to find flat places to land. Right. Um, there is, there is a lot of, uh, um, varied terrain here. I mean, it's called Goat Hill for a reason. Right. It's not, you know, it's it, it's not uh, roll your baby stroller hill. It's it's Goat Hill. Um, it's uh, it's 40, 40 plus um, floors on your on your Fitbit um, every time you play. Yeah. I think that's just for nine holes. Yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Yeah. 
Do you, uh, the, the event sells out very fast. You guys obviously do a very good job. Are there any extra events you guys that like the, the Waco has the party on the bridge. Um, Jonesboro has, uh, has, they had a, they had a, like a downtown. Oh, that's right. The party downtown at the bar. Actually, And we all had to become members of that bar for a night. So is there anything last week in Emporia? I didn't, see anything just, no that's yeah, not true uh i played I cosmic encounters one night which was fun oh, nice. yeah yeah of course yeah uh you know steve i've, I've really focused on the uh, the actual tournament um and uh i guess i'm no fun um i haven't put together a players party uh for the events in the past i hear there's a party saturday night at nick newton's house um, but, uh, you know, I, I'm not allowed to name drop. Yeah. Not allowed to invite people to that. Um, supposedly, uh, but, um, we, you know, uh, if we were to be on the pro tour, um, there's talk of a beer garden on site. Um, San Diego is home to over 200 craft brewers. And, uh, I was on the phone with one of the guys this morning that runs a local, um, local brewery and he would love to help us set up a, um, uh, a beer garden on site and, uh, um, you know, that would be an actual party spot. And this, this place has a gorgeous patio. Um, if, if it weren't for the glare of the setting, the beautiful setting sun, um, you'd be able to look at the patio right now. Um, so it's, it's a great setting for, you know, the, the far away is basket 18. It's probably 120 feet away. So, you know, you're sitting on the patio watching people finish their rounds and, um, so it's a, it's a fun tournament um, setting. Yeah, this is a great area. If if uh, if we had to, we could we could find some place for players and spectators alike to convene and oh, yeah. um, come mingle. Yeah, and maybe find Bill Murray too. You know, that that would be very very good. So my final question that I have for you guys: uh, Do you have special trophies that you make? Somebody told me something about a goat like an idol that you might worship. I don't know what this is, but I'd love to see a sample if you have one of your trophies. <laughs> uh, yes, the GOAT trophy. So goat for those of us, for those people listening on the podcast, first of all, you should watch the YouTube because that was an amazing entrance by that golden goat. But there is a golden goat on a, is that cedar? Um, this is this is one of our leftovers from last year. So this is not cedar. I think this is alder. But this okay. year's trophies are going to be uh, cedar. Okay, so that it's on a beautiful wooden base, and uh, and he is the king of the world as far as that goat is concerned. Yeah. And, and shout out to Hudson Elliott, our uh, our goat master, um, who puts the trophies together. Uh, does a fantastic job every year. I'm not sure the term goat master is. Oh, that is definitely complimentary. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's meant that way. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so uh, do you guys have any, uh, any ending, any last minute thoughts that you want to shout out to people? Uh, first of all, let's say when exactly is the event? Uh, the event is this, it's this weekend. Uh, yeah. Cinco de Goto weekend. Okay. Um, so, uh, May 5th and 6th, uh, 2018 here in Oceanside, California. Fantastic. It sounds like a great weekend. And yeah, we're, we're going to have a ton of fun. Uh, Central Coast will be out to film the uh, the Sunday final round um, lead card. And uh, um, so hopefully that video will get out quickly so folks can see what the course looks like. You can look at last year's video, of course. 
um, and see uh, see what the course looks like. But um, yeah, uh, we're, we're gonna have, we're gonna have a great weekend. It's all it's all shaping up really nicely. I would be remiss not to ask: Do you have a title sponsor? Do you have a presenting sponsor? Uh, we well, we are the challenge at Goat Hill Park, driven by Innova. Okay, very um, good. So, um, yeah, Innova has um, has been a, a great supporter of, of my disc golf adventures, and uh, they 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 come through every year for this tournament. Um, uh, we, however, are looking for other possibilities if if we need to. Um, like I said, we have a lot of beer people in in San Diego, and. Uh, so, um, but um, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's give, let's give them their proper due. Uh, they're supporting this event, our very first test event ever. Um, thank you, Innova. And, uh, and thank you, Dynamic Dish, for putting on an amazing event last week. And uh, with that, I look forward to, oh, I'll say, Alan, make sure to share. Make sure to share the, uh, the video when it comes out with Seth so we can uh, share it with all of our, our friends and fans on Facebook. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, Steve. Thank you. thank you to both of you guys, and uh, have a great evening. All right. Thanks. We will. Bye, Steve. Goodbye, all. So uh, with that, I'm going to cut over to uh, Drew Gibson. Uh, Drew got uh, second place at the GBO. Congratulations, Drew. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you? I'm doing very well. It's nice to see you and hear you. Um, and congratulations on your great finish at GBO. Thank you. I appreciate it. Uh, how did that feel to you? I assume that's your highest finish at an elite, at a premier event. Yeah. I got third at Memorial before. Okay. Um, you came on the scene four or five years ago. I don't know how old I am actually four years ago. And when you came on, you were a, a young, hot, fresh face. You could throw really far. And it was sort of like a boom. Who is this guy came out of nowhere. Is that the, when you got third at the Memorial, is that the, your first big finish? Yeah. That was like my first, like the year before that, at the same tournament, I played amateur. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so how long have you been playing? I uh, started in like 2011. Okay. Uh, what sport did you play before this? Baseball. Okay. Uh, you obviously have tremendous power and I'll go ahead and say that I personally know that your mental game is with it. Uh, you are a, whether people like it or not, you are a thinker and you go ahead and say your opinions, which in my opinion is a positive. So uh, I, th I thank you genuinely. You and I've had a lot of really good, deep conversations um, about promises that I make and uh, whether it's a good idea to keep them. And I, thanks to you, I decided it is a good idea. And then also just the direction that the pro tour should take in general. And, uh, we've, we've had very good conversations. I thank you for, for all of your tremendous input and for your contrarian attitude. And you're not, not afraid to say it. Yeah, no, I appreciate everything you guys do. Like I always, you know, try to be very thankful to you guys and the event directors for without, you guys, there wouldn't be us. Without us, there wouldn't be you guys. So, you know, we're a big team at the end. So if we can all work together and make it better, that's the goal, at least for me. Like it, if we can help you and you can help us at the end, it's going to be good. I agree with you entirely. And, and you're hundred percent right. Without you guys, we, we couldn't do what we do. And without us, you, not as many of you would do, be able to do what you yeah, do. No, you're right. And, th and that's why I try to help facilitate and help where I can, or at least give my opinion because 
I feel like most of my opinions aren't based off of me. It's based off what I think would be better for the event or for the tour. So I yeah. try to voice things that I think will help everybody, you guys as well. Absolutely. And I'll go ahead and say, I think, I don't know for sure. I did not, this is one thing I didn't look up, but I think you might be the only person to have played every pro tour event. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Okay. So if anybody else out there that has played every pro tour event, you can raise your hand, but I have a feeling you're the only person that's done it. Uh, who else even could have, um, maybe Jeremy Colling. Since, since I've been playing, like on tour, I've only missed one national tour as well. Wow. Okay. And that was Beaver State Flame last year. Derek Billings and I were going to go. Some stuff came up. It was pouring rain. We just like didn't go. But like I've been like every single national tour, every single pro tour for the last, I mean, long time now. <laughs> I, I, I take off my hat. I thank you very much. Yeah. Um, and hopefully the fans recognize that. They support, hopefully they support you for your consistency. Um now you've been on tour for four years. Uh, one thing that I really like to do is I, I like to ask people, can you tell me one really entertaining story uh, just from your, from your travels that, uh, that maybe gets to let people know a little bit about who you are or just something that was really entertaining that happened to you uh, while you're driving along on the, on the tour? Um, well, I happened to go the wrong way for about six hours one time. <laughs> Six hours? Yeah, it was a long ways. That's six hours is like through most of New England. We went a long way. We we woke up in Kentucky. We played a tournament. Me, Don Smith, and Yuli were in the car. Okay. We woke up. We got in the car. You know, we drove six hours, tank of gas. We got <laughs> <laughs> so we were like on the <laughs> so we were on the border of Kentucky, right? So we wake up in the morning. Like I said drive six hours. We're like at this. We're going to USDGC. So every day matters at that point. You're, you're, <laughs> so, you're actually going to San Diego, but yeah. Yeah. When I drive, we go the wrong way. Right. So I, we get in the car, we drive six hours, whatever we stop and eat. Well, I was like, Hey, I'll drive. Paul was on the phone. I think with prodigy or something, Don was in the backseat playing clash of clans. So they were very little help to me. And so I get to the point where it's like right or left. And Paul had the GPS on his phone. So I'm like, Hey, what way do I go? And Paul just goes, Oh, turn right. Uh, okay. Well, I turned right. Paul had like been on the phone for you know an hour, maybe passed out. Something happened. Don had passed out in the back seat. So I just was, and before he like when he got on the phone, I'm like, hey, am I going the right way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're fine. Okay. Well, <laughs> I just keep on driving while I'm like, hey, Paul, like look, we need to get gas. You know, we need to pull over. And he wakes up, and we drive past the Welcome to Kentucky sign. <laughs> 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 like I just, it was literally like a we literally stopped and got gas and like just ended up going the wrong way and like no one i was just driving yeah and they didn't they were asleep or whatever not paying attention so literally i woke paul up and i was like hey like, like find us a gas station you know and literally as we passed the kentucky he looked at me and goes and i was like dude i don't know what just happened <laughs> <laughs> but we sat in the car for 12 hours and ended up staying in like the same hotel we stayed exactly. at before <laughs> that's that was where i was headed uh did you stay at the same hotel I think we did, or I think we maybe started at Scott Reef's house, and then okay. like we left, and then like came back to town, and it was like so late at night that we like just got a hotel, but like we were within like probably four miles of where we started twelve hours later in the car. Twelve hours later. <laughs> but I Yuli, hate to... Yeah, Yuli, we got in the car, and like I said, he's like, "Oh yeah, turn right or whatever," and I was just like, "Okay, like turn right," and he's like, "All right, well, you know, by the time the next thing you gas, like you're gonna hit Cherry Road, you know, like where USCDC is," and I'm like, "Okay, well, I just," and literally, I was like, "Hey." 
find us a gas station. Literally, you're welcome to Kentucky. I was like, oh, man. I'm like, this is brutal, dude. <laughs> uh, the drive the next day is much shorter, though. It's the same. It's another 12-hour drive? Or is it well, I, like I said, I, I think we were like, by the time I would have been done with my tank of gas, we would have been there. So right. it's like two tanks of gas. So Okay. But it felt a lot longer because I felt bad for everybody that they had to. We had to all do it again. The whole way. But that's like a little Groundhog Day. I think I actually ended up like paying for the hotel and like all the tanks of gas to get there and everything because I was like, "Hey guys, like it's not all my fault, but I was the one driving us the wrong way for a very long time." We we had an expression in Fredericksburg. It went a little something like this: "You suck, you lose." And oh, yeah. uh, I sucked and lost. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, uh, I'd love to talk about how the fact that you're doing, you're playing great this year. I think you're in the top, I know you're in the top 10 in points, uh, on tour points, uh, on the pro tour. I don't know where you are on the national tour. Um, but you're playing great and it's really nice to see you up there consistently. I know at GBO, you got second. And part of the reason I wanted to have you on here is I want to talk about men's tees and, was GBO just a bomber course and that's why you did well? The answer to that is no. Um, but everybody that did well seemed to be a bomber. Uh, the reason I say that is not why you did well is because at Waco, I think you finished top five. Is that true? Okay. So, and Waco is by no means a bomber course. So, uh, that is not what defined, that's not the reason that you did well here. Well, my worst finish of the year this year is at Jonesboro, which is a bomber course. Uh, yes, absolutely. So, so I mean, that's the thing. I was gonna. I I think that it's it's hard to say why someone did didn't play good. Whatever. I mean, look at Garrett Gerthy. Yeah. I mean, he's arguably one of the farthest throwers, accurate throwers. I mean, he's played great all year. Then he goes out to the place. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, throw far, throw far." Then he gets thirtieth place or whatever he got. You know, and. Then, He's kind of like the anomaly there, maybe. Right. But, I mean, I just think that it's not about – just like you said about Waco. James mm-hmm. Conrad throws a 400-foot dead straight putter shot. Should he win every single tournament in the woods? No. You know, like it well, – he, he would ha- – theoretically, he would have an advantage. Yeah. But that yeah, doesn't have mean an advantage, really But that doesn't mean yeah. – I mean, that's like Paige Pierce has an advantage. Correct. Correct. I mean um, – And I, I assume you're saying that because she throws the farthest. Yeah, I mean, besides for like Jennifer Allen, I think Paige consistently throws the farthest golf shots over and over and over again. Yeah, golf. And so I would think that. that right. Yeah, and to me, I I tell this to people all the time because yeah, I throw far, but I have control. So I'm I have more of an advantage. I honestly feel like in the woods, because if we're playing a 600 foot hole, right? I'm going to throw it 550 feet, have a 50 footer. You're going to throw it 300 feet, 300 feet, and get the same score as me. But yeah. if I throw in the woods. And I'm throwing a T-bird or a rock 400 feet dead straight, and the disc is landing flat that's not going to skip. And you're having to throw your right. lace or whatever you throw. Now your disc is going to have action, skip, roll, whatever, to mine just landing out of steam flat with a slow disc. I yeah. think my distance gives me more of an advantage in the woods if I execute my shots than it does in the wide open. Uh, I, don't, I don't agree with you entirely, but I do agree with you uh with you you have an advantage if you can throw farther you have an advantage because you can disc down yeah that's what i'm saying yeah that's 100 percent right but if the, if the hole is 600 feet you have an additional advantage as well if you can throw close to 600 feet but like think but, about like hole six and hole seven at maple hill 
Uh, throwing okay. a slower disc on those holes from the gold is right. way more beneficial than someone who has to throw a faster disc. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And that's, that's, let's, let's use that and segue to, to the, the topic at hand, which is, uh, I guess I, uh, first of all, I'll say in my opinion, that course was very well designed. Uh, the, like the first hole, if you could get the, if you could throw far, you could get the birdie, but to get the Eagle, you had to be aggressive and bring par or worse into play. Perfect example of, of risk and reward. I, I loved it. Um, and, and a lot of the course was that way. So it was not just a straight distance shot. It was distance with accuracy. Does that seem correct? Yeah. I mean, I feel like a lot of the shots that I threw that whole week were, if you do a straight line from the tee pad to the basket, I was within, you know, 10, 15 feet of that line either way. Yeah. So, uh, uh, presuming there wasn't an OB there. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, so when, but the course was 11,000 feet and, uh, I know Jonesboro was 10,500 feet or so. So those two, cor- we've had two courses in a row that were very long courses and one I'll go ahead and use this word and it might be misplaced, but I'm going to use it now because this is a new concept for me. Uh, one concern that I have is an easy way to make a course more challenging is to make it longer. And in my opinion, that's not necessarily the right way to make a course more challenging. Uh, in the same way that I'm, I'm arguing we should have women's tees because I want the women to play golf as opposed to playing distance driver, upshot putt. Um, I want, I want them to play golf. So they have distance drivers, they have fairway drivers use mids off the tee. So they have a, a variety of shots. I want to make sure the men's game doesn't creep up to that point either. Does that seem like a valid concern of mine, or am I just uh, am I just yelling wolf a little bit too early here? I, I think it's a mixture of both. I think that, that you're maybe yelling maybe maybe too, too early. early. Um, um, but but I, I, I can hear myself. Uh, in a good way? Like I can hear my like echo. Oh, I, it went away. Okay. Okay. So, anyways, so I don't think you're crying wolf too early, but. Like, here's a good example. Like, me and Max Nichols, per se, were around the same rating, around the same, you know, whatever. But I feel like on a distance drive, I throw it 200 feet farther than Max Nichols does. And, but does that mean that we're not going to, we're not rated the same? We're not going to shoot the same? Like, it's so hard to say what distance is going to do because just like kind of Garrett showed, you can be the farthest, most accurate thrower and still not play well. Absolutely. How, however, on that course, if you couldn't throw 500 feet, then you pretty much couldn't score well, or you it, that it really limited your ability to score. If you couldn't, oh, yeah. Th- I mean, like I don't even know what you did on hole 18. Uh, I, I I threw over the ball golf green uh, tee. Yeah, over to the right. I threw over to the right. It was for me. It was a great New England woods shot. <laughs> so i yeah, threw no. that green and i i got up there and i i had a i had about a 60 foot approach for my uh for my four on day two or three yeah i don't know which, i which was great it's hard for me. for me to to say because i don't i think that it going to ball golf style and a bigger course and everything like benefits the visual like i was out there i wasn't on like this feature card or lead card or whatever the first day and i was out there and like i finished around and i think the lead card was on hold six or seven 
And I remember standing there and being like, wow, like that's impressive. Like there was a thousand people out there watching the first round of this tournament. Right. You know, and if you do that at Idlewild, you can't fit those people out there, you know? So, right. And so I just think that like the, for the game, it's going to have to start going to more, more room at least. And, but if you have, if you design country club and now you say, Oh, we're going to shorten it way up. Now people are going to go, this isn't even fun. There's going to be a bunch of 400 foot hyzers for me, you know, flex shots for the next person because you know, Oh, it's getting too long. It's getting too long. But it's like, I don't know. I don't know where to draw the line. I'm not, I'm more like when it comes to like the distance, I'm more towards the top than the middle. So I'm obviously a little biased towards like I throw far, I throw pretty accurate. So I like having the long course to show my skills and like utilize my talent instead of, it's probably the same way. Like I've heard, I traveled with Kat for four years. I mean, Kat was like, well, why am I getting my, my advantage taken away because these other girls can't so-and-so do it. And that's not her exact words, but I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but. It's like, why? Exactly the same thing. How come I would be losing my advantage of working hard and being able to throw far and accurate because the, it's not good for these X people? Well, a, as you said, you're, you were not actually taking your advantage away. If you can throw really far, then you're, you're throwing a mid when I'm throwing a distance. And that is, in fact, an advantage. because Yeah, can but if you're flexing advantage. your boss every hole and getting the same score as me who's throwing a calculated T-bird shot, it's still losing my advantage. Like if you're landing your boss perfect every time, I know me throwing far, I'm just disking down hole after hole after hole after hole and not gaining that advantage. If we're both. Well, okay. So that, that is where, okay. So if every hole is for us to be, even would have to be 300 feet, but theoretically make them all 400, 450 feet. Then in fact, you do lose your advantage because every hole I'm throwing a boss and you're throwing a T-bird and, and if I can do my boss well, then I win. We tie. Yeah. But, and that's what I'm saying. Like it, but, it, and now you have a 550 foot hole that I have potential to reach for say, mm-hmm. and just, it's like hole eight at country club. Yeah. That hole is like, that's a distance like that. I have an advantage on that hole because a lot of people who can't throw far enough aren't trying to go that hyzer. Right. I can throw a spike hyzer and spike it on the basket. So if I'm willing to risk it, I can gain a stroke on the guy that only throws 400 feet every single time. So the, he can't even throw the shot to get there. The, the question is going to be, what's the right balance? And traditionally, I think the country club has the right balance personally for the okay. top players, for the, for the people that are thousand and above or nine ninety, whatever. I don't know what we consider touring nine ninety. Like what? I mean, I almost won them away when I was nine ninety nine rated. So I'm a little more biased towards like, cause people say, Oh, if you're not Chuck Kennedy, I think if you're not 10, 20, you're not good. Like, I think he said that before, but I don't think that, but it is what it is. So 990 and above, I think that echelon of players, which is what the pro field is, yeah. can play country club efficiently. Uh, ab- absolutely. Uh, how, however, I, I'm going to go ahead and say, if you can't throw 500 plus, you realistically didn't have a chance at winning that tournament. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you on that one. I mean, okay. but, so, hold but one, I, I think only throwing 500 feet or less 500 feet, so say 450, you can birdie hole one, right? I, just, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to go, I don't want to go through that, but you can, you can go ahead and say, Steve, I don't quite agree, but I understand your point. No, I do. I get your point, but I'm just okay. saying, like, I don't think that it's as dramatic. I think if someone were to sit there and count the holes of 450 at a time accurately and making a good putt or making yeah. it inside the circle putt, I think it would be probably, we only shot 26 down for the tournament or to ego shot, I shot 25. Okay. I think that you can go out there and throw 450, 450, 450, 450 all day and probably get pretty close to that. 
Uh, right, and doesn't that doesn't allow for any errors? But uh, but my my overall point is uh, so this is in my opinion this is about as far as I'd want to see a golf course go, and we have other courses uh, that like at Vegas one of the courses was a little over seven thousand feet. Uh, same with Memorial, uh, I think the uh, Fountain course is seven thousand feet, and other courses come on come in from eight to ten thousand feet, and then you have Jonesboro at 10, five, and you have GBO at 11. So I love the, I love the variety that we have. And I think it's critical that we have that variety. What I'm afraid of, and I just want to know if you think is it a valid fear is people are going to see this type of course and think, Ooh, they had 11,000 feet. I want to go to 12,000 feet. Um, I want to go to 12, five. And, and then the game really does change and we are losing, we're doing the exact same thing to the men that I'm afraid we're doing to the women right now, which is we're saying, if you're not in the top 10% of distance throwers, you shouldn't be on tour. That's basically what I think, what I feel like we used to be saying to the women. And I don't want to do that. And I don't want to do that to the men either. Is that a valid fear? Yeah. I mean, that's a valid fear, but if you compare it to, uh, traditional golf it's the same thing if you're not hitting a 300 and something foot drive in the middle of the fairway you're getting left behind uh i feel like the variance in our distance is is much larger and maybe it shouldn't be uh but maybe again we're a relatively new sport and perhaps in five or ten years everybody will be able to throw 550 and this point will be moot I think that there's more people like I go, you know, do clinics all over, go to new courses all the time. I think there's more and more locals where I'm like, wow, that was impressive. Like that's far than I ever have before, like this year. Okay. Everywhere I've been this year, it's like, I see some random guy I've never seen before throwing this hyzer over the trees where I was like, Whoa, like I didn't even think of that. Like, I'm like, Holy, how'd you do that? Like what even, you know, it's like, I just think that the discs are getting faster. The discs are getting, you know, I just think like people are starting to take disc golf as more of a sport and less of like a weekend activity. So it's going to be more people throwing it farther and farther. And like you said, I think now you do have a valid point or a valid worry, but I think as the, your goal with the disc pro tour is to make the game up here. Yeah. And I think we're here in the middle, but I think as we get to here where your goal is, I don't think that, you know, it's going to be much of an issue if someone's out there throwing it, you know, like I think more people are going to be able to do Simon Eagle, me, Alex Geisinger, Kevin Jones. Like I think more people are going to be able to do that. That's a, that's a really interesting point. And basically saying, Hey, Steve, uh, right now it might be a concern, but the sports evolving, the players inside the sport are evolving as they evolve and distance just becomes a default value of 500 plus this, this whole question goes away. And if you can only throw 400, 400, 450, you're probably not going to be one of our elite players unless you can throw it in from 90 feet. Oh, and that's the thing. And, and that's where I like, I have a tough time with the like men's tees, women's tees, who is shorter and longer. It's like, if you can't make, you know, three out of 10 or, you know, eight out of 10, seven out of 10 from a three point line in NBA, you're not going to be a three point shooter. Sorry, buddy. You go right. sit the bench. If you right. can't hit 300 in baseball, you're not going to be one of the top. You're not going to be in the MLB. So it's like, we're trying to cater to these like people that might not, might be, shouldn't be on tour, but we're trying to like, Oh, what about them? It's like, well, are we trying to grow the sport for these top guys and showcase this? Or are we trying to worry about in five years where it won't even be a big deal? Like, and that's why, like, like the girls, like, 
at some point, I think that the tees might get too short for them. Like I see some of the holes and I'm like, like the, at hole 18 at the, at Memorial at Vista, I was just like, and like that they're throwing a 200 foot shot over this water. No, it was, uh, it was three, it was 300, I think. But I, but I'll go, I'll go ahead and say, I understand your concern. We don't want to, we want to make sure we don't go too short. Um, but in my opinion, I'll, I'll go ahead and say that the first, they did a test event with a test with some shortened tees and at on hole 18 at Memorial was, it was very short and I'll go ahead and say too short for the women, but they, uh, they corrected it for the pro tour event, which was the Memorial. I'm going to check real quick. Hole 18 at Vista was 282. So, uh, and for the men, that hole is, is 381. So I'll go yeah, ahead and give that to you. I think it, that hole maybe should have been 310 to 320. Yeah, I'm saying it should be farther. You shouldn't make it to where the the elite girls are just tossing a mid-range over there, but then the, you're making it to where all the other girls. It goes back to the whole, well, if the XYZ girl in, eight, in 50th place can just chunk her fastest driver up there and land there, you're taking the advantage away from whoever else that is having to throw the shot. So the interesting thing, that 282-foot hole – there were three birdies, uh, and I'll just do the top top dozen ladies, uh, rather than including everybody. There were three birdies out of twelve, which actually seems like a really good number. And then, but there was only one bogey, uh, and interestingly, that was Paige Pierce. So um, maybe she was trying to do something funny in that last round. Um, but that three out of twelve, I, yeah, I mean, seems like a really good number. I just think there's a fine line. And, and that's a, it's very good that we talk about it and that we're aware of it. And, um, unfortunately I'm up against a time, time bubble here. So I'm going to have to say, thank you very much. Uh, I think this was a great conversation starter and I bet we have this conversation for the next couple of years as we get more data and as the players evolve. Yeah, no. And I, hopefully we, whatever the choice is, I'm okay with. And like I told you before, I support whatever you want to do. So, if it is making them shorter than it is, but like I said, I think at a certain point we're going to go down to the shorter level, then the game is going to surpass that, and then we're going to have to go back to where we were. Uh, yeah. To be honest, I wouldn't say we need to make it shorter. I would say I don't want to make it longer or not much longer because I, you know I feel what like the distance on Eureka Lake is. No, I feel like that course is ginormous. I don't know the distance. I only went through uh, GBO and then I knew Maple Hill just because I know it. Okay. So I just did the first. So uh, Vegas is seven thousand and nine thousand. Memorial seven thousand eighty five hundred. Waco is eight thousand. Jonesboro is ten thousand five, and Maple Hill is eighty five hundred. I just got to imagine that Eureka is big. And last year, Josh Anthony won the tournament, and he only throws at four hundred fifty feet. <laughs> I will bet that Eureka's under ten thousand. Yeah, but I'm saying it's still big. I mean, it's still a big. Well, course. all of these courses are pretty big. Well, I mean, like. Vista at Memorial isn't very big at all. Uh, Vista's coming in at 8,400 feet. You know what the difference in Maple Hill is 8,500 feet, but Maple Hill has tight woods. Yeah. So there's a, there's I'm, a I'm saying that I'm saying it feels bigger when you're having to hit a gap that's 10 feet that's wide right. versus when you can throw the disc like this. And So triple Mandos. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Drew, thank you very much. I hope you have a great night and uh, keep up the great work on tour. Yeah, thank you so much. I'll see you soon. All right. Bye.
Thank you all very much. Uh, this has been a wonderful edition of Pro Tour Talk. Uh, thank you very much to Alan Risley. Thank you very much to Drew Gibson. And uh, we will see you next week when we talk with Jay Redding about video replay and disc golf. Good night, everybody. Good night.